again, it's Sully and Rachel. The Sully and Rachel show. Um, no, this is... Uh, uh, I, I, we're going to continue on the um, topic of uh, starting fitness business and all the ins and outs that go along with that. Uh, but we thought it'd be a nice change of pace and, uh, it would be nice to not have to actually prepare anything, uh, <laughs> for you guys, um, to just actually go over some anecdotes, uh, from training that we thought might help keep things in perspective for you because, uh, we all encounter interesting situations, whether they be, uh, uh, uh contains, you know, some levity or, or maybe are a bit on the more serious side. And, uh, I think it's just good for, all of you listeners to know that it is a normal part of the business and i think if we share some of our stories that that will help maybe alleviate some uh stress and pressure that you may feel about um your job uh and uh, and uh, avoiding awkward scenarios and and how to deal with uh that stuff so i think also um part of the reason we want to do this is it it shapes our own personal decisions too like <laughs> some of the things we experience, this is why we do the things we do or why we react the way we do or whatever. It shaped us as trainers as well. There's, there's, no, there's probably no better way to learn than uh, observing the mistakes of others. And then uh, hopefully you can also learn from your own mistakes. And hopefully those, uh, there aren't too many of those. Uh, and it's not necessarily mistakes. It's just, you know. Growing pains. And not necessarily pains. Just, you know, you gain perspective with the more experience that you get. So uh, we have, I think, um, three angles we'd like to take on this that will separate into separate. Um, that's a redundancy. We'll separate into separate uh, episodes. And those will be we'll focus on some funny stories. Um, and then number two, we'll focus on some more serious stories, uh, serious implications, injuries, stuff like that. And, uh, and then we'll also throw in some inspirational stories. So I'll start with a funny story, I guess. Um, maybe, maybe I should do these in chronological order. Um, now, there's, there's, these are going to be addressing lots of different things that you may come into, uh, uh, that you may come across situations, you know, in terms of like, uh, how you might approach training someone, um, people who are new to the team, uh, how you deal with client injuries that happen during a workout session, um, verbal altercations with uh, clients. Uh, I would suggest at all times leaving politics out of the gym. <laughs> Uh, and I, I would hope that would go without saying, um, and I'm not going to touch on that today, uh, but, uh, that's one other consideration. So back at the, uh, in London, Ontario, where I'm from, I was training at a private gym there and, uh, and one of my coworkers who had been there for a number of years, uh, prior to me, um, he was very much uh, from the bodybuilding side of training, and so um, he was very much into training for volume and things like that. 
lots of higher upsets at the same time you know still uh working on a, a strength-based progressive overload system as well but definitely a lot of reps and volume based and so he he did this thing where he would when training clients he would love to make them do like hundreds of calf raises and Rachel has a theory as to why that may be, <laughs> which uh, now this trainer, very well-developed, very tall guy, well-developed. Uh, I'm not sure if he actually competed before, but he was definitely big enough that he could have. Um, but his calves were a little lacking. Um, and I suppose that he was, you know, some fun was poked at him for that uh, by the other trainers, perhaps, and even by the boss from time to time. Uh, so I think maybe that's where that training method might stem from, but the other, uh, theory as to why he might've done that is that whenever he would have his clients do these hundreds and hundreds of calf raises, the volume of that would be so severe or, or, or such a shock to their calves that it would basically incapacitate them for the rest of the week. And they would have to cancel their every time they would have to cancel their next session with him. Um, and so I guess that was a way of getting off of uh, uh, work for that hour. Um, or so, not having to deal with that client. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, right? So... When it comes to your programming, I mean, you don't have to necessarily uh, meticulously program every single little facet. So especially with beginners, I think it's good to um, set up a program to focus on one or two movements and then the other smaller supporting stuff you can just kind of monitor and do on the fly. But uh, and and programming in general is going to help keep you from making these big jumps in volume or intensity that will cause this kind of grief to your clients. But in this case, I think it was like really intentional. <laughs> I do. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind when you're programming for people. They have they have their limits, as we all do as humans. Rach? Um, well, my, mine's more on the um, the the nutrition side. So like out of habit, um we really got into a habit of like, what'd you eat before you came or, um, just having that nutrition discussion with clients over the time you get to know them and discussing decisions that they can make. And this one training session, um, I asked my client what she ate before she came in and she said a cinnamon bun. And I just looked at her and I was like, a cinnamon bun? Oh, it was gluten-free. It was gluten-free. Um, a gluten-free cinnamon bun is no better than a regular cinnamon bun. It's the same thing. No, it's 10 calories less because it's gluten-free. Now, let me qualify this because this morning I had ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I had um, half a quart of ice cream for breakfast, actually. It was delicious. It was uh, President's Choice Elk Crossing. All the peanut butter cups are clustered at the bottom. Actually, I was kind of pissed because when I started this quart of ice cream, there was no I had got through the first 25% of the uh, quart, and I had like one peanut butter cup. I was like, it better not be this way for the rest of this uh, quart. But anyways, so... Um, it bugs you I so much you had to have it for breakfast just to find out. 
I no, I just wanted it. <laughs> well, because I I knew that I was going to put in um, a lot of time in the gym today. So uh, the, the w- what I would uh, qualify here is that um, you know we're trying to get our clients into the habit of positively geared uh, routine behaviors that help take them closer to their goals and and trying to get them to. Um, mitigate or attenuate some habits that they might have that have um, been clearly shown to take them further away from their goals over the last several years. So if they are prone to having a cinnamon bun every morning and then following that up with more sweets and stuff like that, and they don't exercise, which is going to be really the the buffer here uh, or the, or the, the, the if you're not exercising, it has it makes a big impact on how your body uh, partitions its substrates that you're taking in through diet. And so, what I would say here is that you know, all, obviously, a cinnamon bun in and of itself is not a bad thing. Um, if they're not doing any exercise in the day, um, and their habit is to eat sweets, and they are putting on weight every year because of this uh, pattern of behavior, it's up to us to help them. Uh, adjust that pattern of behavior so that they can reach their goals. And so this would just, you know, if I had if I had to kind of help uh, give perspective on this, yeah, that's that's basically what Rachel was getting at there. Is that obviously this person has a certain pattern of behavior that uh, we'd like to modify, and it doesn't start with a cinnamon bun in the morning, um, or or correcting um, nutritional behavior by choosing the gluten-free over the the regular cinnamon bun doesn't make it a wiser choice i have no like i'm not saying like people don't need to avoid gluten i'm saying just because it doesn't have gluten doesn't make it healthier and if you want to debate that fight me in real life because <laughs> I will, I will go toe we'll, to toe. We'll interview you on our podcast. Believe me, I've I've dug through the research thoroughly. So I also um, had this client who came to me for back pain, and uh, he he liked to lift heavy weights, um, but he was really struggling with his back, and he was a young guy. I, we would have been between 22 and 24 at the time, Sully and I. So he was a little bit older than us because we were friends with his sister. So he was probably between 24 and 26. So um, his sister had said to me, will you do some Pilates with him and help him strengthen his back and then maybe his back won't bother him so much at work and, and with the regular lifting that he's doing and whatnot. So I was teaching him the basic... Um, principles of Pilates, pelvic positioning, going through the foundational movements. I'd seen him a couple of times. Um, and during his intake, we had gone over the fact that he had not the greatest sleep patterns, um, partially because he owned a bar. So he was up super late because of this. So I have him on his stomach and I'm trying to get him to position his pelvis properly so you can do some uh, thoracic extensions and I'm cueing him and all of a sudden he stops moving and, uh, I'm like, are you okay? Uh, does this hurt your back? And he's not responding to me whatsoever. 
and I, I'm starting to panic, but I'm trying to stay calm. Like, why is he not moving? Like, what is happening? And all of a sudden, he he jerks up, and he's like, "Oh, I just fell asleep." <laughs> I honestly had no no idea. It hadn't even come to my mind, but his insomnia was so bad that. For Pilates, it was so calming, it actually put him to sleep. So we had to we had to choose some different tactics for him. Um, sometimes you will find yourself in a position, in this line of work, um, even if you're self-employed, you don't pick your hours. The clients pick your hours. You're at the mercy of when people want to train. And that means split shifts. That means first thing in the morning, last thing at the end of the day. And uh, doing that habitually uh, makes you damn tired. And you need to find time anywhere you can get it to take a nap. And so I think that there's probably some people can who can relate to this. Um. I'm speaking directly to those of you who know what it's like and know how comfortable it is to sleep on an exercise mat with a t-shirt under your head (laughs) or something like (laughs) that. Underneath the table in the staff room. Underneath the table in the staff room (laughs) or uh, in the back of the building, maybe in a stock room or something and just getting sleep wherever you can find it, setting the alarm on your watch for like 45 minutes. Uh, or like a couple hours before you have to train your next person. Um, that was not the best part of the job by any stretch. That really sucked for me. Did you ever experience that taking naps? Um, I, I, I'm not a napper. So like sometimes, um, if I came in and my client didn't show or, Um, both of us were going into work. It was just easier for me to come in if you were starting, but I was starting an hour later. It just made sense for me to come in and then I would hide underneath the desk and try and catch an extra 30 minutes or whatnot. But on a regular basis, um, one particular client would come in and be like, Oh, she looks good this morning. Um, he always told me I looked miserable because I was half awake. I, really really struggled when we had to open up the gym like being there for 5 30 in the morning almost five days a week Saturdays was we opened at eight so um but it got tiring especially between the two of us we had to close so usually we were there till 10 so you're you're at the gym for 5 30 and you're you're closing at 10 and by the time you go home and eat dinner um, so sometimes you'd wear, wear that on your face. You tried not to, but you're so damn tired. You're just trying to go through the motions that, but the clients were always good about it. They just teased me. <laughs> um, so maybe you have a funny anecdote about sleeping, uh, at work and, and maybe you can share that with us. Just shoot us a message uh, on the podcast page or through email. Um, Rach, did you want to jump in with uh, another one there? Um, oh, I, 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 uh, when I first started at the very first Pilates studio that I got training at, um, I also worked administrative 
um, like I worked the reception and this lady came in and, um, she's like, Oh, this is what I need. I need Pilates because my abs are dead. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, they're not. And she's like, yes, they are. And we, we kind of went back and forth like a couple of times. I was like, your abs are not dead. Yes, they are. They're dead. No, no, they're not. Yes. Yes, they are. And I finally was like, okay, why are you standing on your two feet then? You're standing in front of me. Your abs are not dead. And then she was like, oh, oh, good point. But it, it was just like, she didn't mean it that way. She drinking that day. Oh, it was quite possible with the clientele we had, clientele we had at that studio. But she didn't mean it that way. She was just totally trying to be like, I have no ab strength. But uh, sometimes I can be very literal. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, no. No, your muscles are not dead. Otherwise, you would not be standing on your own two feet. Um, but it, it was quite funny. And then she, she, uh, she, she laughed at it. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm not a very good storyteller. There's a couple of of uh, coworkers who I wanted to bring up who are kind of new to um, the group. One in particular, one of the definitely one of the newer ones, like at the end of my run, and uh, who I still outlasted. Um, he was only there for like a couple months. You know, this is before I started working there. I was working at a different gym. This was was, was when we were running out of clients. Uh, not sorry, not clients. Uh, running out of trainers because everyone was kind of moving on. Yeah, that was before I started. That's how I got hired was oh, that they okay. started looking for new trainers. Right. Um, but I had I, I never liked the kid. Uh, did not look like he worked out. Looked like an addict. Um, had just like this really morose like kind of very um, lethargic kind of way about him that just like made you just go, ugh, what is it with this kid? Um, but I had heard stories about this kid from some other people. One of my other, uh, coworkers had described a story to me of this kid having this client do, um, sit-ups, I think, or, or it could have been push-ups or sit-ups or something like that. And, uh, or maybe it was even cable crunches and he was, st- and he's standing over the client saying, bow to me, bow to me or some crap like that. And this is these weird things that sometimes trainers will do in the moment that maybe they think are funny. And then they kind of totally. have to step outside your body and listen to yourself talking and realize what a dumb fuck you are. Um, and this was that kid to a T total, total trainer McDumb fuck. <laughs> Never liked this kid. Um, so two things that happened with this guy first he um and i might mix the chronology of these two but um i'll I'll go over the ambulance one first so what happened with this kid was that um he and another trainer were training in the front of the building um and they were with their respective clients and he had his client doing some box jumps which um of course, the inevitability was was that his client bashed their shin in or whatever uh, onto the box, and blood must have been drawn or something because apparently he thought it was uh, uh, tragic enough to call the paramedics as opposed to resorting to the first aid training, which he should have possessed. 
Um, but yeah, so he's like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? And he calls the paramedics. And so the paramedics come, and this is getting towards the end of his hour with his client. And uh, so the paramedics are taking care of his uh, his client at this point, and they're probably shaking their heads and wondering why they have to put a Band-Aid on this client for him. Um, and so his, his hour with his client uh, comes to an end, and his next client for his next hour has come in and is waiting for him, and he's just kind of standing there watching the paramedics deal with this client who, you know, they have full control over the situation. And, uh, and so his coworker, the other trainer who was training the hour previous is, is like standing there telling him, uh, you know, so-and-so is waiting for you. You know, you, you have another client who you have to train. Like, what are you doing? They, they have it taken care of. So, um, so that was a, a situation that could have definitely been handled a bit better. And so basically our boss had to kind of talk to him about that and, and be like, and go, go over with him. Like, you know, was this the best thing that you could have done? And, you know, what were your responsibilities at the time and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So anyways, so we're getting kind of the idea here that maybe his judgment skills are not quite all that well developed. And I think this kid was like maybe 20 years old at the time second thing that happened often it's not unusual for us to have clients at like 8 9 p.m and then close up at 9 or 10 and um and at that time there might be like one or two trainers still working uh at at that time and you might be in completely different ends of the building and so you know you're not even sure all the time if there's another trainer with a client training because maybe you're all the way down at the other end and um and you don't know what that uh client uh what their routine is going to be leaving so in in this case you know we we had showers in the facility and even at you know 8 p.m 9 p.m some clients want to shower before they go and so one of the clients was showering and it was the end of the night you know late night people just want to get out of there particularly the trainers and this kid closed up, turned on the alarm because we had an, a, an alarm in the facility that you turn on and you have to get out and lock the door within like 30 seconds or something like that. And then and then once that's done and the and the alarm is armed, basically any movement in there will get picked up and uh, and the cops will be basically signaled to come down and check it out. And, well, guess what happened is that this kid closed up with a client in the shower and she steps out of the bathroom and to her surprise, the alarm goes off and she's like, oh my God, because it's like pitch black in there, alarms going off. Uh, she, she, I guess, I don't think she could get out. Or I guess she could get out. She would just lock, unlock the door from the inside. Well, but she waited. Yeah, she she yeah she definitely waited, and um, it, it was funny because that night we were all actually out with um, the rest of our uh, um, trainers. Trainers, yeah, me, Rach, um, some other trainers who worked there or used to work there. Um, we were out uh, having dinner at. Um, at a restaurant just kind of like downtown not too far away or we were doing the like dine the three appetizer thingy for 40 bucks or whatever yeah 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 um 
And I get a call saying that from uh, my boss saying, you know, can you go down there and check this out? Because the alarm went off and the cops down there or some stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. So, yeah, I went down there and checked it out and whatnot. But I think more or less you had to lock up was what yeah, they needed. Yeah, no, I just had to lock up and everything and, and reset the alarm. And so, anyways, uh, those two things ended up getting that particular trainer fired for good reason, because obviously he's had a hard time doing things right. (laughs) (laughs) He knew a lot of ways how to do things wrong. I was always nervous about that alarm. I always thought I was going to set it off myself. Um, uh, Okay, warning, I like fart jokes, just in case I, like, giggle. Um, But in Pilates... There tends to be a farting can happen. It's normal. Um, But for some reason, so the studio I worked for, the owner, um, her dad was quite well known in the golf world. And she was trying to make some connections with some various golf instructors in town and whatnot. And there was this guy who owned a golf store and she was trying to convince him to convince people who come into his store to take Pilates. So she offered him a free class. So she tells me that he's going to come take my class. Um, In the same class, I've also got instructor trainers that I'm teaching as well. And um, so there's this exercise calling called rolling like a ball and you literally like ball yourself up and you roll on your back and then you're trying to balance onto your bum when you come forward and so I'm teaching it to the class and this golf instructor rolls back and he lets one rip which that's normal but what made the class stir was that he went woo wee hope that one's not a stinky one and then the entire class broke out And of course, I'm the instructor and I've got instructor trainers in there. So I have to like pull myself together. So it's kind of one of those (laughs) trying not to react. And um, I just continue teaching. But people were full out busting a gut. This golf pro never came back. He like, I don't even think the owner got a deal out of the whole situation because he was so embarrassed by the whole thing. But um, the girls, there were two who were doing the instructor training. They came up to me and they said, how did you not laugh? And, and I said, I turned my back to all of you who were laughing and looked at the people who were not laughing and really tried to make myself serious. Because um, it's not that I didn't find it funny. It was I was not trying to embarrass the guy. Like part of his reaction the woo-wee was he was embarrassed and he was trying to make light of it. But the fact that in an entire room of all women, he was the only man to top it off, sat there and laughed at him, was probably very embarrassing. So I tried my hardest. He just kept his mouth shut. <laughs> I don't even know why he did it. <laughs> like... You're supposed to play the ignorance game. You're like, oh, who did that? Well, and what was even better was that he actually plugged his nose and flapped his hand underneath his nose when he did the woo-wee. So it was like there was a visual and everything to the whole thing. Um, Speaking of laughing at clients. (laughs) 
Uh, and coming back to box jumps. Box jumps, man. Box jumps. That's that's uh, that's a dangerous one. A lot of near death experiences with the box jumps. Lots of shin scars. Shin, definitely shin scars. Um, I had this one client who was oh I don't know I guess you would say quote unquote middle aged. Um, his name was Gary. And uh, so we had Gary doing some box jumps, I think, on the big box. So it's about 24 inches tall. And these boxes were um, crafted by someone there for the gym. They're just made out of plywood. And for some reason, just maybe it was just in the design of them, uh, people just always tended to bash their shins on them. And so what happened with Gary was that he missed the jump and... Both of his shins made contact with the top edge of the box, and he just slid down a good five inches or so on both his shins on the edge of that box. And his skin was left hanging on that box, and there were just this this big red, like five inches long on both shins, all the skin and hair just taken off. And like a horrifying sight, right? One of these things where it's like you're thinking is just like the worst possible scenario, the 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 the, the worst possible uh, outcome for uh, whacking your shin on the box. Not just you know like an impact and a bruise, but like you scrape it right down uh, almost the entire length of your shins. And uh, and uh, I could not keep from laughing for some reason. <laughs> Um, I was just busting a gut and I think part of it was because he's such a, like a lighthearted guy and, um, it was just, I don't know, maybe it was like one of those situations where you're watching like America's funniest home videos and, uh, you see something that's clearly painful, but you just can't keep from laughing. <laughs> and, and it was so uncontrollable that I had to st- say to him, Gary, I'm, I just want to tell you, I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> I'm laughing at the situation <laughs> or some shit like that. Whatever I could say to uh, to uh, uh, get myself off the hook there for laughing so uncontrollably. But, um, you know, I, as opposed to, like I said, this was a bit horrifying uh, for him mainly. Um, but like I said uh, before, this is not a reason to call an ambulance. You go to the back, grab the first aid kit, and you patch the guy up and you continue with your workout and you apologize profusely and hope that he comes back uh, because these things do happen. They do happen. And it's the risk they take because uh, we do get them to sign the waiver. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sully's definitely not the one to um, call the ambulance. Uh, before I started working at Elite, I used to train there as a client Um and I had a similar incident where I was box jumping with Sully and I hit my shin. Oh, it, it hurt. And he took me to the first aid kit. He handed me a Band-Aid, told me to stick it on top, took me back into the back room. We were training in the very back room of the gym. And he goes, okay, do it again. <laughs> I was like, what? You, you want me to keep doing this? And the, but the thing was, he helped me overcome the fear of it because if I probably, it's like getting up and getting back on the horse. If I never did that, 
I probably never would have box jumped again. I would have developed a fear out of jumping, but now we we've got box jumps in our um or we got boxes in our gym and I jumped the high one and it doesn't even phase me, but that that time I was just kind of like, um, you want me to excuse me? Mm, I think I'm done. But I wasn't allowed to leave until I did it. <laughs> I have no empathy. That's why. <laughs> Cold. Cold-hearted. Um, let's talk about Professor Pervert. <laughs> um, there was this professor who he mainly um, trained with one trainer uh, before I started working there, and um, I think maybe she had gone away or something, and so they asked if I would train with him, and he ended up liking the training session. So he, when she came back, she tra- he trained once with her and once with me, and we kind of alternated. But we would often compare stories because he he was, I think, in his 70s. He looked it, too. Um, he was... He moved like he was 110. Well, he was very, like forward full flexed and um tight through his thoracic and he um and he had like the best kind of toupee style hair <laughs> i don't know i don't know if it was actually a toupee but it was so it looks suspect so this client he um he would come in and he would tell us dreams and they were the most outrageous dreams and he also would tell us that he would have these dinner parties and he had a transvestite friend who would bring a midget friend. This is the dream. These are the, no, these are the dinner parties that he would hold and two of his This clothes, isn't the dream? Well, it got really confusing because I think then he no, also. this is the dream. This is the story that, uh, how I remember the story being told. Well, he would also claim that he would hold these dinner parties, and these people were... Like the fucking Mad Hatter? Kind of, yeah. But then he would dream... Oh, we got a midget on this side of the table, and we got a talking (laughs) rabbit on this side of the table? Well, and also, um, well, the dreams were more like, he'd be like, you joined our dinner party, and then he would talk about how me and the other trainer were there, and... Obviously, if he said that you joined the dinner party, it was a dream. Maybe, yeah. What do you mean, maybe? Did you go over to his house for this dinner party? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Get your shit straight, Robertson. Well, it's been so long that I've even thought about it that I don't really remember. You don't um, remember going over to his house for a dinner party with a midget and a talking squirrel? No, I don't remember the details of the information that he would tell me, because I kind of would play along and just kind of ask questions about the dinner party and Or it's one of those situations whatnot. where you just nod your head and say, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, and then you look back and you don't really remember all the details. Um, but he, he so also... tell me about this dinner party you went to. Honestly, I don't remember anything other than there was a midget and supposedly a transvestite. Maybe this is the dream that you had about him? No, no, no. no. I never had a dream about him. He would be the one coming in telling me these stories. But he would also do funny things like we would do like pivoting squats down the hallway. And every time he squatted, he would kiss the wall or he would slap his own ass. Things like that. Um... Yeah, he... This man has a very dark and disturbing closet. Well, he's probably bored and needed some entertainment or something. 
I don't know. Can't really explain it. Um, I trained him once, maybe twice. And this is a guy whose fitness level is like rock bottom. Rock bottom. Uh, he might have like a orange, an egg, and a coffee in the course of a day. That's kind of what his diet is. Um, and so I was training with, I, and, and I'm like pacing this out. I'm just, you know, we're going at his speed. Um, but partway through the training session, he's just kind of getting quiet. His eyes are kind of glazing over a little bit. I'm like, are you, are you doing all right there? And, uh, and <laughs> he just all of a sudden just kind of loses the strength from under him and just starts teetering over. And I totally just, I had to catch him. I had to throw my arms under him and just kind of bring him down like a fucking ballroom dance <laughs> and lay him down the floor and, um, and put him in like the recovery position that you learn in, uh, in uh, CPR and stuff. Um, and I'm just like, I sure hope he wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this. Yeah. Uh, but it was like it lasted for like a real brief moment. Once I kind of laid him down and put him in the recovery position, like within a minute, he regained consciousness and we just sent him home. So uh, and he's had episodes like that with other trainers, too, where he'd have to go and sit in a chair and kind of recover. Um so his blood pressure would drop or something. Yeah, yeah. Like his his uh, health in terms of blood pressure, circulation, um, blood gl- glucose, um, all those biomarkers were definitely out of whack and um, largely, I would imagine, due to a lack of physical activity, um, uh, chronic physical activity, but B, also just poor dietary habits. So those things will definitely happen. You got to watch out for those. They're few and far between, but every now and then you get that client who literally does everything wrong with regards to their body, and then that shows up during a session. Generally, exercise in and of itself won't typically cl- cause uh, an acute response, uh, a negative acute response. It will usually just bring things to the surface, and that's an example of that. Mm-hmm.